the show that helps you grow by helping you think clearly, feel deeply, and do more of what matters. I'm your host, Kenny Lang. Today on the show, I have co-founders of Church Management System Software Planning Center, Jeff Berg and Aaron Stewart. Now, people who know me know I am a fanatic uh, about software. I'm, I'm a total nerd. I also absolutely love Planning Center. It is one of my favorite software platforms to use, to roll out, to talk about. And I think you're going to really enjoy their conversation today. We got into things about how they started out, a failed app that never took off, how they decided to pivot their product when it seemed like one wasn't going to cut it and they had tons of requests from customers coming in, and why growing slowly may have saved their company, and how they've managed to work together as a, as a successful team for 14 plus years. People, that is no small feat. I, I really do believe you're going to love this episode, so let's get into it right now. I'm talking with uh, co-founders Jeff Berg and Aaron Stewart. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up? Well, um, if you ever get a chance to see the video version of this, uh, Aaron is in possibly the coolest room ever. Uh, it has frosted glass that you can turn on and off. He, Elon Musk may be in the booth next to him. We don't know. Oh, oh, there it is. And I can see a clock and Pico. So, um, so guys, um, just starting off, why don't you talk a, a, just a little bit about yourself and your background and how you guys came together to form Planning Center, which started as um, the services app that we know today. Yeah, so I'll start off with that. Um, we actually used to work together at the same church uh, back in 2004. Six. Six? Four, no, you're right, four and five. Yeah. 2004 and five, we worked together and he was a director of music. I was a, a director of like graphics and web and stuff like that. And we'd sit through a meeting every week and have to plan out like what's going on during the service. And uh, we'd come out of that meeting and have to update three Excel spreadsheets, an access database that Aaron made, a website that I made, and it was just ridiculous. And so um, I took programming in high school and I was getting back into programming, custom, uh, created some custom apps for our church and uh, decided to take a stab at making a worship planning tool, which is what our, our first app was, Planning Center Services. Gotcha. Yeah, so Jeff, Jeff started making that and it was used by like the worship department. I got... Um, I ended up getting a job at a church in Las Vegas um, that was using um, Macs instead of PCs, which we were on. And it was at the same time that we were sort of like, hey, this should be online so that it's not just us that can benefit, but that our teams can benefit. And this was like before anybody had Facebook. It was like before anybody knew about Facebook, even though it was out to some colleges at that time. So online software was not really a thing. So Jeff really got into programming that before it was like that popular. So when I got over to my new church in Vegas, it was like we could use it on the Mac, on the PC, wherever, and everybody was able to use it um, at the same time. So um, he ended up developing it for the next six to nine months. Um, and then I had, as a worship pastor, I had been to a conference at Saddleback Church um, for the last couple of years. So I was like, what if we try to like get an exhibitor booth at this conference. And so I just like cold emailed and figured out who it was. And Jeff ended up taking care of the rest of the details. And we launched basically at the purpose driven worship conference at Saddleback <laughs> church in 2006 with the ugliest booth that you have ever seen. Um, it was like, there are photos. Yes. There <laughs> You've are tried photos. to get rid of them, but some still exist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's when we launched in the summer of 2006. And then since then, word of mouth and, and later on some magazine advertisements and things have pretty much just grown for the last almost 14 years now. Yeah, so 14 years, we've just grown a little bit faster each year than we did the year before. Wow. And so it's just a slow and steady growth that we've had. Right. And I noticed, um, you know, in on your website and in different materials and things. Um, 
that you're at 50,000, probably 50,000 plus churches uh, globally that yeah. utilize planning center either in one of the single apps or in one of the, what is it up to now, like seven, seven, seven plus, or I guess church center floats around in there because it's an interface, but um, which is r remarkable. So one of the things uh, that we were you know, talking about before we got started is just uh, so software alone, let alone church software, which I think gets its own unique category because um, as you both know, churches, church staffs, um, when working with outside vendors and, and people can notoriously be finicky, right? They, they want, um, as I jokingly say with a lot of my web design friends, you know, people come up, you know, call me and say, yeah, I'm really inspired by Apple's website. I'd like that, but my budget's $500. <laughs> um, so launching just software plus into a market that's not used to a ton of software unless you are a, a, a Saddleback or, or any of the other large churches, Willow Creek and so forth. Um, what, what was it like, one, getting into those churches, those initial, those first conversations? Um, and then at what point did you start to feel like we have something, but it might need to be more than this one app? So I think part of it is just our slow growth, especially at the beginning. Um, I wasn't full-time doing planning center. I still had my full-time job um, and I was doing planning center on the side. We never took any outside funding. Um, I put 10 grand on a credit card to pay for all the booths set up and everything like that. But uh, we just did slow growth. And so um, that allowed us to take our time to build a product that, the churches that used us loved because this was definitely a need of uh, churches to, to use our software. They wanted something to plan their worship and to schedule volunteers and to distribute music and stuff like that. And so as our customer base started growing, um, one of the things that happens, at least in church market, is that usually people move around jobs quite a bit. And so a, church, a staff member would come from a small church that uses Planning Center and mm -hmm. go to a big church that doesn't use Planning Center and say, there's a better way to do this. <laughs> and that's really how we got into those, to larger churches. Um, we never, we've never had a sales team. We've never really done uh, sales calls. We've had a few talks with specific churches, but mm -hmm. we're never there to sell. We want churches to use whatever software works for them. If it's Planning Center, we're happy about that. But if not, that's totally fine too. Like we know that we're not going to be the software that works for everyone and we're okay with that. Which is refreshing to hear in the uh, you must dominate everything in your category sort of mentality, at least around <laughs> software. Uh, and there's, uh, I guess there's a few of you who, who tout that flag and um, as a smaller guy, I'm uh, and from a smaller church. We appreciate that because you could easily go enterprise and upstream, and you know nobody would fault you for it. So what um, I love the the tr the idea of the transplant, and you hear that with cer certain software kind of gets into your bloodstream, and you're like, yeah, I like the way this works. Let's let's move up here. Um, early challenges in continuing to scale because as the awareness around planning center grows and, and multiplies. And especially as people go from small church to larger church, well, those larger churches have greater complexity. They have more requests. You start getting those, those feature requests in. And sometimes that can drown a company with requests, right? Cause you, you know, sometimes, especially if they're larger and you're like, well, on this plan to cover our server costs and all these things, we've, we've got to charge you more, which you're like, Woohoo! Big payday, but in the back of your mind, you're also like, "Well, does this work for everybody?" How did y'all handle the the early scale up and after your first kind of like nobody's pressuring you and you put just your own ideas into it, and now you've got outside ideas coming in? Um, well, I don't know about the early versions of this because, like Jeff said, we did grow slowly. So um, in the, 
I don't think in the first many years there was ever just like a, oh my goodness, all of a sudden craziness happened. It was mm -hmm. a little bit slower of a build and we did have to transition from, okay, like Jeff was always very forward thinking like, okay, we're at 50% capacities of these servers and a year from now this won't work for us. And we, so he had chances to make sure that we were looking ahead. Um, the, the things that I've noticed that have been challenges with this have been more like in the last five years after mm. we started to do some of our other products because um, once we became a church management system and, and had all these other things, I remember there was one church that a, a giant church that was moving, they decided to move over from their old system to planning center and they imported in our CSV, automated CSV importer, they imported 500,000 people at once. Wow. And so they attempted to. They, they, yeah. <laughs> you're telling me it didn't, it stalled a few times? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that was a thing. We've always been trying to be like forward thinking, but not like build for the thing three years from now. Like we're mm -hmm. building for like six months from now because technology changes so much that finding the balance of like being forward thinking, but not over architecting something that a year from now you would have done it totally differently anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so those are always the challenges. So that happened with us with this 500,000 thing. And, and for us, that's not a question of, should we fix that thing? <laughs> you know, that's a, they literally cannot use our software because all over planning center when they, like the CSV import didn't complete. But um, around that same time, we had some other churches that, that broke their CSV up into multiple, like only 10,000 at a time. So they still got hundreds of thousands of people in there, um, which was fine in that, in, in our planning center people, but over in planning center services, our index of people was only made to show you the first, I believe 10,000 or something like that. So those were things that they were like, okay, some of these pages now, just to load the page is so slow, we have to change our technology for this. So we set out over the course of maybe nine months, it took us to re-architecture um, some of those database things to go into an elastic search cluster, which basically just makes searching a lot faster. And so, um, so that it would be able to handle giant sums of data. And luckily we did that mostly with only one or two churches, even at that point, even knew that anything happened. By the time other huge churches tried to do the same thing, we had already moved on and we mostly have that solved. But um, you never know. I, I mean, another big thing like this is we have some churches that have campuses in multiple countries around the world. We have a church that has like campuses in six in like 16 different time zones or something like in almost all time zones. Wow. And this is the thing that just all of a sudden happened. And we had to re-architect some things so that their services, iCal feed of, anyway, it's boring the details, but <laughs> we found out there was a problem and it was like, we have to fix this because it's not working for people. And then we fix it then. Right, and the fix for that person allows you to serve anybody else who comes in on their heels. And it's like, yeah, we can handle that. We've already fixed and solved for that. Right, and I think the big thing is that is how we do it. We fix things that our existing customers run into. We don't have churches, like we don't have some big church that's like, we want to import 16 time zones. We won't do it unless you build this feature. We don't really do that. It's like, you don't know what you need from planning center usually until you're using it. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have three core principles that we have. We love our churches. We love our team and we love our products. Um, we love our churches is really important to us. Uh, churches is definitely our market. That's who we focus on. It gives us great uh, ability to make great software at a focused place. But the key part of that is actually our we're really focused on the churches that have already bought into our software because they know what we need to do better. They know um, where we need to improve much better than someone looking from the outside coming in and saying, oh man, my software right now that I use does this. But without understanding the context of how we do software and how our software works, their feature requests sometimes are a little misguided. And so we significantly prioritize feature requests and um, bugs 
from our current customers because they know us the best and they're able to give us the best feedback. Um, and and this is one of the things that, that Jeff did from the very beginning, which mm -hmm. answers your previous question on how did this sort of take off. From the beginning, he was listening. He was, I mean, if you can, well, I shouldn't say this, but you can, I think you can still go back to Jeff's very first blog post on our blog. And it's really funny. Don't, to, please. Yeah, don't. <laughs> but it's like, hey, guys, I'm Jeff. I'm going to start a blog today. And it's like so just <laughs> transparent and like, Hey, what do you guys want? And he was just building features, talking to our current customers. And even though we're a lot bigger now, our philosophy has not changed. We're still like the people that use us. What is the next thing that you want? Because we want to, when we can focus on those things. Gotcha. I think you're going to get a lot of uh, comments on that past blog post. So uh, hopefully we'll get out there quickly. <laughs> do that. A combination of that and posting photos from that first uh, booth. Um, <laughs> Well, which, uh, so one thing I wanted to go back on, on Jeff's uh, point about where we love our churches and we're focusing on those existing customers. I, I have to imagine also is having that sort of clarity has helped you in scaling up the product teams that now, you know, there's multiple of is it helps provide them some clarity so they don't feel like, well, if anybody out there has, you know, enough money or enough size or anything like that or makes a big enough fuss, we're just going to get barraged with whatever that request is. And we're essentially, you know, the, the negative term that floats around for developers is a code monkey. Like, yeah, just this is our request. We don't need you to problem solve. Just, you know, grind it out and code it and ship it. Um, have you found that that's helped you either in, in recruiting or retention and building up those teams to where there is kind of a sense of we have a mission, we have some clarity, but we also have some protection that we're not going to get hit with every request imaginable? Yeah. So, I mean, one big part about that is that I am a developer. like, mm -hmm. And so I know what it's like to be a developer and I don't want to be a code monkey. Right. Um, and so... Uh, I want to make sure that our company makes it so that our uh, developers aren't code monkeys. I think we have almost 40 developers and then 10 designers on staff now. And one thing that we do to help make that so is that each of our planning center is actually kind of a company of companies. Mm -hmm. Each product team is very dedicated to their own product. They don't have to worry about things outside of that or anything like that. So what that does is it allows them to have focus. It allows small teams. So there's a product manager, usually about three to five developers and a designer. And they're in charge of that without uh, any outside input other than their support specialist that helps give them information about, here's what I'm hearing from support and everything like that. But we give a lot of power and enable our product managers to work with their teams to decide the future of their product. Um, without a huge amount of input from the overarching planning center. Um, and it's worked out really well. And like, it's funny when like, sometimes we'll be sitting in an all staff and they're like, hey, we did this feature. I'm like, I didn't even know that, that was in the works. Like, that's, <laughs> that's always a fun thing to see. It's like, that is cool. And I didn't know that we were like working on it and shipping it today. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is cool. I mean, you didn't even know about this super cool shirt. No, I, I have. didn't even know that shirt. <laughs> well, that, that seems cool. So in, when things did start to grow, obviously you've had this good slow growth, which probably is a, is a reason why you're still around 14 years later is you had that time to work out kinks, to incubate, to build, and get a good firm foundation instead of taking off like a rocket and then falling, you know, crashing back down to earth when you first started getting in a place where you need to hire people, what was that grow growing pain like? Cause for a lot of people, especially um, maybe for Jeff on the developer side where, you know, the code is his baby and he's had, and I've, you know, I know enough developer. I, I would never call myself a developer. I know enough to, to crash the front end of some websites, but, <laughs> um, but you know, you have a certain way in which you notate, you have a certain, you know, layout and, and way that you organize and all these different things. And that 
how did you make that transition to from it's the two of us building this to now we've recruited some people how much do we force onto them and how much do we let them go because we feel like we hired smart people uh honestly it was a very painful uh experience that more so from like it's the code was my baby like every single bug inside a planning center prior to 2009 or whatever was my bug i wrote it every single piece of bad code was my code and so when i started getting people in there um and them finding these things that i mean when you're making a product you're not doing it perfectly Planning center had zero tests zero tests when i was in charge of it like there was like when i was a code person there wasn't any tests and uh <laughs> that was very scary but as people came on and find those i would start getting hurt like because man they're talking about my code and uh they started to to help give me context they said they're like well without your crappy code i wouldn't have a job to make your crappy code better like <laughs> and and so like nice way to put i it. did do something right it's just not right in code uh but now our our product, all of them are very well tested, um, automated tested. We have deploy mechanisms and everything like that to make sure that's good. But those initial days of transitioning from it being me to being others was really hard. Um, even when I was a product manager, quote unquote, for a while, and then transitioning it to Aaron, uh, I mean, we had many, uh, fun conversations uh, <laughs> about uh, how things should be done. What's the future of services and everything like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've been on both sides of the, you coming in and seeing like, Hey, okay. I see what you did here, but we need to fix X, Y, and Z. And I've also been the person to hand it off. And that, that is, tough because you're like it's not personal they don't mean it personally but there's a part of you's like well that wasn't just something i did that was a there was a piece of me in that work um so that can be definitely very tough um could you each of you speak a little bit about what makes your partnership work um because obviously you could say well we divide and conquer but you can still over time end up with very different ideologies uh diff very different leadership styles and it's not always common that you see uh, an equal co-founders like really getting along that can stay together or even stay in each other for 14 years. What's been the key for y'all to grow together as opposed to growing apart? Um, well, first of all, we are co-founders, but we have a third person on our leadership team. His name is Jeff Spillman, and he was at the church with us where we started, and he um, runs all the staffing parts of of us and so he is a very crucial part of how yeah. the two of us still work together so I have to <laughs> he is the he's the glue <laughs> um but uh but at least for my part the answer to the question is you have to fight through it i mean <laughs> yeah like jeff sort of alluded to you know we have not always gotten along or not we've always gotten along but we've um We've not always agreed on everything. We still don't agree on everything. Um, but over many years, I was just telling this to somebody else, like when he was like, okay, I need you to take over as like the product manager for services. That was like a two year transition, even though it was supposed to be like in words, it was in, Shh, you're now in charge of this. <laughs> when someone like just hands you their baby, they're not going on vacation for two years. Like they're looking over your shoulder every single day. <laughs> and for me, I think um, I, I needed to learn that and, and expect it would be dumb for someone to just like give this thing up and just give you trust that you haven't earned. Um, but the other thing is we both know what our like motives are. We've always been aligned with we're here to make software to help churches. It's, not about money it's not about power or prestige or anything it's like how can we do this and luckily 
we've always had the same um, or very similar like design aesthetics and we like the same type of software. So I think that is something that like sort of has to be aligned because if mm -hmm. we just, if I liked things clean and he liked things, you know, cluttered or whatever, we, we would, ha that would be hard. Um, but then also just knowing when to push for your way and when to back off because sometimes pushing for your way is a way for you to get clarity on the things that you need to at least be on the same page with. You don't have to come be, agree with the answer, but I need to know what Jeff's motivations are for building software because the only way that I can now take his baby is if he knows that I'm gonna take good care of it and that every once in a while, I'm gonna say, I need you to weigh in on this thing. Because if he thinks I'm never going to ask him to weigh in, he's never really going to trust me. Like, there are times where we know we have to check in with each other, and that just sort of happens doing it and failing and yelling at, <laughs> yelling at each other for failing and misunderstandings and working through them over time. Yeah, I think product development and running a company is a series of decisions. And so we have to figure out how each other makes decisions and find somewhere some way where in between, because I know the way I make decisions isn't 100% right. I know for certain the way Aaron makes decisions isn't 100% right. And so, so we work to find out how we each make decisions so that when we're making a decision, we're taking into consideration how the other person thinks. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of comes down, it becomes a cultural part of who we are. Like, I think people start to understand, oh, this is how planning center makes decisions. We, we value stability or like we're, we're talking about um, implementing some new technology here at planning center. And part of my thing is like, I hope that everyone is like really nervous about the idea about this, but that we're so excited about this new technology and the benefits it would give us Mm -hmm. that it's making us overcome that fear and that anxiety of using new technology. And it helped like having those types of questions and like thinking through that as part of your decision process. And everyone's like, yeah, like that's totally where we were um, thinking about it. It just helps. So that it's like, okay, yeah, we are a company that we do embrace new technology, but we also process a lot of money for churches and, uh, do a lot of things and we need to make sure that we have a stable grounding for those processes. You feel like that, like managing that tension well between let, we got to keep moving forward because that's software and new things are available, but the stability that, you know, people, you know, really, obviously they always want stable software, but in certain areas, people expect more stability, let's say from the, the giving platform yeah. than maybe from certain other places. It's a little less forgiving in that area, which is why when we migrated last year, that was the last module to move over because Typical. I had a lot of people who were very uh, nervous uh, about it. It's, some of those people use flip phones and still write paper checks, which baffles my mind. But um, I, I love those people because they are very very generous. Uh, so I appreciate you. Uh, you know who you are. But um, do you think that you guys wrestling through stuff together, but always getting back to alignment motivations, kind of believing the best about each other is what I'm hearing. Um, do you think your, your employees, your team, I don't like the word employee, but do you think your team seeing you guys go through those things has helped inform the rest of those teams? Because if they are mostly autonomous, I mean, if they're surprising you with new tasks or new features, and you're like, okay, cool. How did you arrive at that? Do you get to see some of that imprint and DNA from the way you two have wrestled through things? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Like, I think because we've grown so slow, and especially in terms of like, we grow about one person a month in terms of our team size. And so at that rate, you're not like you're bringing in part, someone to a team that's already part of the playing center culture. And 
Um, I think also like just us modeling it and um, when we're like, when we do make a bad decision, like we'll humbly own it and say like, hey, like, man, I shouldn't have exploded or gotten mad at this or, <laughs> hey, this was a bad decision. Like, and modeling that from the top just makes such a difference um, because we, we, Aaron and I know that we're not perfect and that we, we don't have all the answers and we rely on our team to help us come up with the correct answer to, and some, oftentimes there is no correct answer. It's what's the best one based off of the knowledge that we have right now. Gotcha. So to go to a, a what's something that may have been big for y'all, I, I view from the outside as being big. Um, talk a little bit about pivoting from one app to the point where now you're at seven app from services to a, a church management system. What were you seeing? What, you know, prompt you, what pushed you over the edge? Um, it came with, let's just call it a failure, even though it's not really a failure, but <laughs> it was something that we tried and then decided later that we didn't want to do. So we had, we had some good success with services um, that was just called Planning Center at the time. And um, uh, we wanted to build a product for registrations, for, for people to register for different things. Oh, yeah. um, and so, but we were like, you know what? A lot of the things that people were asking us for were not just church-related stuff. So we're like, well, let's build, our, uh, let's build our next product outside of the church, but even though the churches can use it. And so we built a product. And this was at, before we had our three loves. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, this, no, this is actually what helped us to establish those. So we made a product called Smart Events, and it was a good product for registering people for events and for sports teams and like lots of different stuff like that. Um, but in the process of making that, we realized a lot of different things. It sort of like shifted our focus away from what we love, which is churches. It even helped us determine that that was why we were doing it. Like hmm. that sort of got maybe not lost. It was just, we never took the time to like really, I guess, decide. And so at a certain point it was like, man, we're having to build all these things that are separate, even though some of our churches want to use it. And so that process sort of led us to, you know what, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to make things just for churches. And at the same time, we've always wanted to build things that we were passionate about. Like we, services was built to fulfill a need that we were actually having. It wasn't like, we want to make money. Where can we make money? Let's find a, a need and make money. It was, let's solve a problem for ourselves. And you know what? Other people might want this problem solved. So from the beginning, um, we have it. There's a little kind of poster up in the office of one of Jeff's early on quotes for the first five years. He said for years, we will never be a church management system. <laughs> we said that in staff meetings. It was a very clear, this is never going to happen kind of thing. But the reason for that was we weren't passionate about that. Like, we, it didn't, it wasn't exciting. And so for us to like solve a problem that we don't understand and that we aren't excited about, that's not gonna, that's not gonna succeed. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of the years, like when uh, I always tell the story and this might not be exactly right. So Jeff, you can correct <laughs> me, but the way that I saw it sort of from the outside, cause I was living in Las Vegas at the time, Jeff had his first kids and they got old enough to start checking in at church and all of a sudden Jeff does not see problems that he doesn't want to solve like it's really <laughs> annoying because he thinks he can solve everything and 98% right actually that's what's the annoying part but anyway he saw at church like check-in systems man this is horrible I could build something better than this and our churches would love it so what if we do that and all of a sudden he got this passion for this thing so we started to develop check-ins and no, that's, I'm sorry, I'm totally wrong. The first thing we did was resources, but it was the same thing. We were in church trying to help um, people book facilities management stuff. And it was the same exact thing where it's like, oh my goodness, we're having to do it and it's horrible, let's fix it. So after we built resources and check-ins, it was, we sort of got into a conundrum. We had these, we had like two parts of a church management system, but not the rest. And we started doing interviews with some churches like, hey, you wanna use check-ins? 
like my church at the time were like, oh, this is amazing. We love it. We'll never use it, but we love it so much. Like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, we're already paying for this. We get this free with our church management system. And a church is never going to have a budget to pay for something twice, no matter how good that other thing is. Right. And I don't really agree with that all the time, but I do understand how it's true a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, you know, if we want these, uh, these two new things that we've built to be successful, we should probably do what our customers have been asking us for for years um, and do the rest of this stuff. I'm almost done. In the process of doing check-ins and resources, we realized that we couldn't, we couldn't be in charge. Like we needed people in charge of these different products. So that sort of forced us to start hiring people to be product managers of those things, which all came together to realize, you know what? I don't have to be passionate about developing a giving software. I just have to hire somebody or find somebody that's already on our team who they're passionate about that. And I'm passionate just about building great software and helping churches. So if someone else cares about it from that angle, I get to still care about it from, I'm still a worship leader and involved in the church. I still get to help with our services product, but we have other people here that are passionate about those other branches. And so it sort of all came together and was like, you know what? It was sort of the only time where we had like a three-year plan. It was like, okay, over the next three years, we need to develop products for groups and for giving and for registrations and for um, and people, I guess. So... That's I, I think one thing that's interesting, I think pre-show you mentioned, like a lot of companies try to pivot and mm -hmm. don't necessarily uh, succeed. And the reason why I said we will never be a church management software is that we, at the size that we are, we were, we needed focus. We needed to continue to make services great because we didn't want to, I didn't want us to just totally abandon services and not develop it while we developed this new thing. Um, and so we had to get to the size where we could break a team off away from services to focus on something new, but while still investing in the product that made us great and continues to be one of the most popular products that we have. And so um, I, I think that that's one of the ways that we avoided failure as we try as we have moved from just one product to a seven product company yeah because that goes back to the to the mantra of we love our churches the churches that are already using us we cannot abandon that product to build something to maybe attract new churches we have to figure out a way to do both right which is yeah you end up alienating one base for the you know, potential of a, of a different customer base. Yeah. And, and unfortunately you, you see that happen all too often. Uh, how did you, and this may be, nobody else listening may, may care. I do. Uh, what inspired um, the, the architecture between in making each product modular um, in that it, obviously you have a shared database, but within people, um, and then it, that translates across everything as you add or subtract whatever you do. Um, but so m many pieces of software are single login portal and if, and you pay for your package and you get these features and obviously as you scale up, you get a greater list of features and it's just like new things are accessible or whatever inside of one login. Whereas these you could purchase and utilize separately. Um, it's unique and it's one of the reasons why I push my church towards it because you know, one of the software companies I interact with and I'm a partner with is HubSpot and they had been going through, they started with marketing was their big um, platform, their big, their first big app, but now they're at a point where there's a marketing hub, there's a sales hub, there is a service hub, their CRM is free, sound familiar and then they also have the CMS, which now can sit fully separated. Um, so it's unique that I don't see a whole, you know, the HubSpot's the only other one I can really think of off the top of my head. What made y'all decide on that? Because I think that there's some unique advantages for churches, but could be some, some perceived disadvantages because it's not traditional. Um, honestly, uh, I think there's two reasons. Number one is 
uh, services was still kind of my code base back when we started resources. That means it wasn't really the best code base to start off of. Um, the, the quality wasn't there yet. And um, there were just, we were constantly adding stuff. And I mean, even at that time, it was hard to add features because there was so much code. And adding another team into that mix just felt like it would be very hard for us to move forward with the type of structure that I was looking for. And so having two different teams with totally different um, code bases really allowed our teams to focus on what they have. They don't have, our resources team doesn't need to worry about services, who doesn't need to worry about groups, that doesn't need to worry about giving. They have only their product that they have to load into their brain and they have to worry about. Um, and that really just helps them to develop and each of our apps releases on a different cycle. So they can, hmm. they can release their feature whenever they feel like it's ready and uh, not have to worry about, oh shoot, uh, services is doing a Rails upgrade right now. So we can't, <laughs> we, can't, we can't merge our thing in because they have this big thing going up. And so uh, it's allowed us to move at different paces per team because sometimes a team is deep in the weeds on maintenance tasks well, another one's just feature, 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 feature. And we see that every one of our products goes through that cycle. But keeping doing those maintenance cycles are so important for developer productivity and happiness and just overall enjoyment of the job because no one wants to be working on a Rails 3 app <laughs> um, when there's Rails 6 now. So, Right. So it seems like you were able to replicate that degree of focus when you were claiming we're not going to be a church management system because we are going to be focused right here. And he said, well, we could do it if we had a group of people who was able to provide the same level of focus we were on services. Um, and then you just build a little architecture so that they can talk to each other if they need to. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've seen more and more like crossovers, like the, the checkestration thing is, is fun. That's also just fun to say. Um, <laughs> I like it when I can work that in into a staff meeting said, you know, we could make this a checkestration. And I say it with a serious face. And they're like, what? It's like, don't worry about it. Um, I, I think it's important also to acknowledge that like we're talking about this 14 years after the fact of all of these things, like, Going from services to services and uh, resources, or mm -hmm. even services and smart events, these were hard fought battles where we didn't do everything right. I mean, mm -hmm. we launched smart events, we put a lot of money and time into it, and then we had eventually had to kill it. And when we did resources, we had, I think, the PM who's product manager for resources mm -hmm. started the day we launched resources. <laughs> like his first Baptism job was fire. to write the blog post that was announcing resources so there was definitely <laughs> a, like i i want to make sure that people know that yeah. it, it like we're we weren't just marching along like yeah we know do that and then that and then that like yeah it's it's a hard-fought battle gotcha yeah and that's um and it's those choices those trade-offs those constraints those different things which i think are, are always interesting to find out um what is something that that each of you is learning right now and it can be planning center business it could be family life but i believe you know like we said before uh, or before the show um you know Personal life influences work life, work life influences personal life. And, and for, for us three, faith is, is mixed in there and church responsibilities. But what's that thing you feel like you're in, you're in the middle of learning right now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think I sort of already touched on mine a little bit, but um, we... Well, this sort of segues out. I was just actually going to say a second ago, one of the things that Jeff and I always find as a value is just always being willing to look for what's not working and change things to make it work better. 
And that's something that we've always aligned with from the very beginning. So a lot of those hard fought battles and choosing these products have, you know, that's why they've been hard fought. It was like, we'll try it. And if it doesn't work, then we'll change it. And so um, we always had a desire to have a little bit, you know, a, a flat organization with not many like levels of managers and stuff. Now that we're at almost a hundred employees that just, it, it's not working for us anymore. And so um, both Jeff and I, have a lot of direct reports. And so the challenge that we're going through right now is actually like a little bit of a restructuring of the company to, um, because we, we are both used to having our hands in everything and <laughs> learning how to, um, to empower people and trust them to make those decisions. And honestly, I think one of the things that I continually have to learn, and now I'm, I'm in the process of teaching people a lesson that I don't fully practice myself, <laughs> which is probably most lessons, um, but that is allowing people to make inconsequential mistakes. Hmm. Like in the process of trusting people, um, like as a perfectionist, and Jeff is definitely somewhat like this as well. I don't know if he would label himself like that, but I see him as that. Um, <laughs> um, like only perfection is acceptable to me. Um, at least when I'm doing things. And so when I, when I have to hand off something to somebody else, if they don't do it perfect, my reaction is I shouldn't have handed it off to them and I need to be, I need to hover over this thing. And, or, and, and I see this from other managers in the company, people will come to me and they'll over things that have just been handed off. Hey, this person is now in charge of this thing. Did you see this thing? Is how are we? And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. It's not perfect, but who cares? Like, hmm. we're like, if if a if a button goes out and one of our like, this is the kind of thing that Jeff said. Oh, I didn't know that this this feature was pushed, and it's because we trust our product managers at this point that they know big things. They need to run bias. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna introduce a new this like the table can now sort by last name great don't tell me that just do it like <laughs> and, and, but what are the consequences if someone does that in a wrong way like who cares like we'll undo it or it's not it's different than oh you know we like you push something that could could have deleted everybody's data or, or something which right kind of it like knowing how to enable trust among people as you delegate oh man back when i was doing church stuff everything was what are you doing that a volunteer could do and i'm like you know it was all about trying to empower people that was that was 10 years ago and i'm still learning that lesson yeah. of like you know what so many people are capable of everything that i feel like i'm some special person that's the only person that can do this <laughs> and it's more about my pride you know about wanting to be the only person who can do something when you really just need to give people a chance to to gracefully fail at small things so that mm -hmm. they can establish that trust with you that's that's excellent if if you're listening hit that rewind on that because that's good because that's a tough one for me i'm that same way and if if my wife and children were in here they would be making an, an ugly face at me and going mm-hmm <laughs> Um, it's like, why did I trust you to carry the goldfish across the room? You know, like that's, I always feel like I, I could have done this really well. And then, you know, people throw Maxwell, uh, Maxwell's quote at you. If somebody can do something 60 to 70% as good as you can give it to them. I was like, that's insanity. Um, <laughs> but something that I, I've had to learn and the words I put around it is non-fatal failures. Mm. Um, I got to speak to a, to a college class, a business class or introductory, and I just said, look, fail as much as you can because most of it's going to be non-fatal at this stage because you can build on it. And I think that's, that's excellent. It's definitely tough uh, as a leader. I can only imagine, you know, when you are releasing things to, you know, 50,000 organizations, it's not just like three people are going to see this. A lot of people are going to see this and then your support teams are going to be impacted. Like, you know, there's a lot of interrelated things. So I think that's, that's awesome that you're still working through that. Um, and, uh, definitely prayers for you on that. I might need them in return. 
Jeff, what about you? What, are you? what are you in the midst of learning? Well, it's funny. It relates back to the same instance that's going on in our company of the restructure, but um, the, the value of transparency and total honesty, um, hmm. not with everyone, but with people you love, but most importantly yourself. Um, hmm. I think I, I'm the CEO of Planning Center. And so with that, I linked into my head things that I have to be doing, things that I see other CEOs doing. I see things that I see that, oh man, why don't, why am I not like that? Why don't I do things like that? And being honest and saying, that's not me. And I tried so hard for the last two to three years to take on challenges and things that I probably wasn't perfectly equipped for. Now, did I do them? I did them and I did them well, but my passion and my drive is the tech end, the product end, really getting into that. And so part of this restructure has given me the ability to get back to that. And mm. um, the joy from uh, that and being able to talk with, cause it's, it's hard to say like, I don't think this is what I should be doing. Like, like this is not like this part of the job doesn't feel good to me. Like, and it, it was hard to come up with those words and to say them. But now that like it's kind of been acknowledged and like we're moving forward, it's like, oh man, I feel such freedom to do what I really excel at. And um, I'm having fun doing it. And so it's been great. That's awesome. I think being able to pivot, like, as, as you get larger, the ship gets larger and steering it differently. I can only imagine, you know, things are become a little bit more tricky. But uh, I think that's a great word for people to understand that just because you have a certain title like CEO or something like that, you feel like you should be doing X number of things, you know, people in church world. Um, as a matter of fact, the weirdest thing, I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine just before this call about just my evolving role in the church. I made up my own title, which was awesome. Uh, I made it director of innovation and growth. And I was like, that just means I'm the chief nerd. Um, <laughs> but, um, and everybody gets a laugh out of it. But um, what, what's been cool is, is on that journey, like you have been like, I thought staff, you know, innovation and growth or executive pastor role, like maybe that's what I'm good at, or maybe I'm this in ministry. And I think it's, it's tougher maybe in ministry because we're like, God's calling on your life looks like this. And if you're not part in the Red Seas, are you really evangelizing? Like, wait, what? Um, you know, there's so many boxes, uh, whether you're in software or in church or just in family roles that, you know, you can feel like you're supposed to be squeezed into. And I think being honest with yourself, if you're not honest with yourself first, you know, how can you expect other people to, you know, accept that back from you? The other thing I hear from both of you that I think is, is excellent is doesn't sound like there's any sacred cows, um, apart from your three values. And, um, I forgot yeah. who it was. We try to was, not have any sacred cows. <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine who, who runs a, a lawn, large lawn service company was talking about, well, when we started doing some things here, um, it was one way and now situations changed and I feel like I'm going to be going back on my word or, or changing this thing. And I just said, man, if you were to tell me that you have new information and things are different and you're not changing your mind, I would say you're stupid. Um, I have a very honest relationship with him, but, um, <laughs> but I think, I think that's great that changing your mind often when you realize things aren't working. I think Gary V says a lot about that in a lot of his content. Um, that it, I think that's something also powerful that people should take away is you, you don't have to stick with something just because you made it or you made that decision. If it's not working, it's not working. And being honest about that could provide a lot of freedom, which it looks like, you know, Jeff's like, you know, kind of smiling and, and laughing with some relief, like, sweet Jesus, I don't have to do those things anymore. I get to go and do this. And, but you, you know, now planning center is going to get, you know, the best Jeff it can. Right. And, and I imagine the best Aaron, you know, if there's some things moving around with your position. So, um, 
before we we wrap up is there anything you guys feel like you would in in your learnings or anything else you'd like to share or a final word hmm let's see i think mine would be don't don't try to rush things i think hmm. i think pine center's grown at a slow steady route pace and I feel like it's default these days to not do that and I get emails from VCs and everything like that all the time and people like oh man we want to throw a bunch of money I think if people threw a bunch of money at planning center it would have radically changed our culture who we are the products we make and the good we're doing for the church wow that's excellent. Yeah. So you're telling me you, that hockey stick growth, you're not, you're not all about that. <laughs> no, it's a just small hockey stick. It's a small, it's more like a child's hockey. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. What about you, Aaron? My takeaway I think is always know uh, why you want to make a change and be able to communicate that because mm -hmm. a lot of times the, the ways that we've pivoted, the times that it has been unsuccessful here is A, because usually just because we didn't communicate it very well, you forget that people aren't in the weeds of everything that you're doing. Um, but also even just from a church perspective, I remember I just see so often like worship leaders will go to a worship conference and they will see these amazing like bands on stage with the lights and the whatever, whatever. And it's like, we need to do that. And there's, you just go home and you, and you try to take something that you learned that is working for somebody else and somebody else's situation. And you just assume that because this other person in a similar role, almost what Jeff was saying, because another CEO does this, that's what I have to do in my situation. Wow. You should never do that. Like always, like you can admire those, those things, like admire that worship band, but think about it. Like is what they're doing right for me, is it, would it be right in my church? My church in Las Vegas that I was a worship pastor at, this was in Las Vegas. This is a, it's a different city. Like the things that work for the people in that culture are, it's different than when you go somewhere else. So if you, people would come to that church, oh, we got to do this. No, don't do that. Like you need to be reaching out to the people in your community. You need to be being, you need to fill the role in your company. That is the role that you were meant to bring. And that is mm. usually not going to match perfectly with anybody else doing the same thing that you are. So asking the question of like, why would I want to do that thing? And can I formulate the why in a way that I can communicate it with other people that want to know? And if I can, then let's go for it. Wow. Wow. That's, that's excellent. And I, I hope people take that to heart and, and run with it. Um, I just want to say a big thank you to you guys. It meant a lot. Uh, I'll be honest, when I, when I messaged you, I was like, they're not going to message me back. They don't know, <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Um, but I really appreciate the time, the humility. And I also want to say, I, I really do appreciate your, your software and what you're doing in this space not just because I'm the administrator or whatever of, of it, but it played a pivotal role in our church growing, seeing new families. And I see testimonies from people on the other side of the ministries we're able to do because we're now not worrying about these processes and these workflows and, and wow. who's getting caught and who's, is anybody being lost? No, they're not. And that, that's the stuff that's on the other end. And that's what gets me excited is I love tools that help me do something that's much bigger, right? I mean, I am a nerd. Let's get that straight. But, <laughs> and, and I love the aesthetic and we could go on and on and on about that. But when I see what's on the other side of people able to do effective ministry instead of being bogged down in organizing it, uh, I mean, I, I jump for joy and I think a lot of your other customers and people would too. So I just want to say a big thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks for You're saying welcome. that. Thank you. Yeah, that's always so amazing to hear. If people want to know about Planning Center or or find you guys, uh, where should they be looking? 
go to planning.center. Is that dot com? No, I'm just kidding. Not <laughs> dot com. Just, just http quantum slash slash planning.center. <laughs> gotcha. And I know both of you guys are on Twitter, right? Yep. Periodically. And uh, and if you are a planning center user, uh, hop in occasionally. They're roaming around in those in those chat in the Slack channels, answering questions along with other members of their team. So, anyways. Thank you so much, and uh, we hope to have you guys back sometime in the future. Thank you. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I know I was geeking out, nerding out, and some of that may have only been enjoyable to me. Um, To be honest, that's fine with me. I hope you got some out of it. There was a little something for me, a little something for you. Sharing is caring, right? Well, I hope that if you are at a church or your church is growing and you need some help with some software to run it that you will consider Planning Center. It really is affordable. It's easy to use, even for people who are not techies, uh, and really can be a part of helping your community of faith grow. So I'm going to leave you with our final thought, which is we're better when we rise together. Until next time, keep rising.